has your opinion changed about the Lakers? Do you think that they are still the team to beat? Yes. I mean, just by the nature that they're in the first seed, and they've played well all year, and I think, you know, as they get closer to the playoffs, LeBron is going to start turning it up even more. Welcome back to the Gang Buckets Podcast. I'm Ethan. I'm David. We are back. Just cracked my knuckles because I'm so excited. We have had a full weekend of NBA action from Thursday night. We had the Jazz play the Pelicans. It was a very good game, and it's really set the tone for the rest of the weekend. Yeah, but before we get into the games, I actually want to ask you what you thought about the first weekend. How do you think everything went? So, full disclosure, I haven't watched every single game. I watched a lot of them. I watched the highlights for the rest. Because, you know, I'm trying to stay dedicated to the pod. I will say, in principle, that the bubble looks really good. It looks really clean. You know, we talked a bit about, like, home court advantage, how it's not as much of a thing. And I think my opinion on the home court advantage is kind of mixed. One thing that I noticed that they did when we were watching Nets Wizards today was that they actually bring the home court sounds and the home court announcers to kind of work as the quote-unquote home court. And, you know, maybe that makes players feel a bit more at home. I don't know if it's really the same thing as having 20,000 real people cheering you on. Although, let's be honest, the Nets never get that. Um, but I do think that that there is something psychological there, perhaps. Maybe not as strong or as pronounced as really having a full crowd. But, yeah, I, I do like that they are trying to give some sort of normalcy to the players. I don't know. What do you think? No, I definitely think there's a lot of um, great ingenuity going on with the virtual fans it looks really cool yeah it's definitely it's way better to actually see fans in the stands I mean, it looks kind of corny but i think like over the past few months i think we've all gotten so used to seeing like these zoom call you know chair figures and desk figures these like almost like mannequins of human beings behind the screen that it's not even that abnormal anymore to kind of see that and it's cool. You guys even see NBA players in there, or former NBA players. Like Paul Pierce, we saw him today. We saw Buck Williams. We saw Kerry Kittles. And that's only from the games that I watched in the Yes broadcast where they even pointed it out. I'm sure there are many more examples of that, of you know former players just tuning in to rep their teams or their former teams. So, yeah, I think it's pretty cool, the, the virtual fans and the sounds. And I also, I think it's... Something I didn't really think about, you know, let's say AAU players, right? They do these neutral site tournaments all the time. Yeah. So this could actually be really fun for some of these guys who probably haven't done this since they were in their teens. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be a really interesting experience for them. And also, I just want to comment on, you know, I think the NBA should seriously look into, like, creating those courts that they have right now in the bubble and kind of imitate them for the stadiums too because, like, the all the camera angles that we're getting are really incredible, honestly. But, but when you say courts, do you mean, like, the physical court itself or the dimensions? I'm talking or... about the dimensions, how, like, cut it out with all those cameramen under the stanchion and on the baseline. Like, when the player tries to go for a dunk and he falls, he has to worry about s- slicing his head open and stuff. So I think you actually give the players the room to fall. It looks a lot more smooth, too. I don't know. I just really like how it looks. It looks like NBA basketball. I had some worries that... These games wouldn't look like NBA basketball. It looked like kind of a lot of really scrimmagey. But it really looks like NBA basketball, so I will say it kind of reminds me of 2K a lot. Um, especially when you hear Mike Breen. Yeah. 
It's just very weird. Well, no, Mike Breen's not the announcer. It's, it's Ke- Kevin Harlan. Yes, that's the guy, Kevin Harlan. Yeah. Yeah, hearing him, that's the guy on TNT, right? Yeah. Hearing him speak, you know, I was like just going up the stairs and I actually thought you were playing 2K, but no, it was just the broadcast. And I even looked at the TV for a second. You know, the, the court looks ambiguous, so. Yeah, 2K20 is trash, though. So. Yeah, it is trash, but I can't even imagine these players, I don't know what they're feeling. Like, it would be really cool to talk to someone and kind of see, like, how virtual does it feel for them? Because I'm sure this is kind of like just straight out of like a dream for them. Yeah. Now, not in a good way. Well, let's let's get into the games because right. there was a bunch of games this weekend. And but I think I think before we talk about the games, I want to just ask you, who's been your favorite team now that every team has played about two games? I think some have only played one, but you hate on me for watching the Rockets play, but I love watching the Rockets. I mean, I, I just think they're really an entertaining team to watch. I like rooting for James Harden. I think he's a legend. Um, I don't know. I just really enjoy watching them play. I'm shaking my head in disgust because I really don't enjoy watching them play at all. Oh, they did beat the Bucks today. They did. It was a huge game. They beat game the Mavericks too. yesterday. Yep. And we were talking before, you know, on our last episode, we talked about how the Rockets kind of got figured out. And, and you said that you didn't really have faith in them, and I said to watch out because this is listen, a potentially dangerous team. Right. They're two zero. It's the question is, will the and they beat good teams too? And they they beat the, no, the they team beat with the, the best, best record in right, the NBA. Best record in the NBA. The Bucks could not clinch. The best record today, and they beat the Mavericks too, who were kind of neck and neck for their spot. So, and especially, they beat teams that were much bigger than them too. I mean, the Mavericks are a very tall team, the Bucks are a very tall team, and so far the Rockets' strategy of small ball seems to be working very well. Is it because of the age of their team, or because they went back to the drawing board? Which I think they did. If you look carefully at the way the Rockets have been playing, I think they've been spacing out more. I think they've been pushing the ball more than they ever have, and it's definitely worked to their benefit. But the question is. There's six games left. Can the NBA figure them out before they go into the bubble? Because I think the way they've been playing, they're definitely a big sleeper to upset the third seed. For sure. Also, but in the playoffs, the pace of play is going to get a lot slower. So, I mean, we'll see how that turns out. Well, they don't have a big man. I think the tallest guy on the court today was Robert Covington on their team, who's 6'7". Six, six, seven. But they still managed to pull out the win. They And they... and. James Harden locked up Giannis at the end of the game yep. for a crucial possession. That's probably the weirdest rivalry in the NBA, too. Yeah, because they've been MVP odds, kind of, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's just really funny because you don't kind of see that dynamic with any other... Now, James Harden actually played great defense today. He really, he did. I think, in general, he's definitely improved his defense so far. I'm going to be really shocked to see him keep it up. And, uh, you know, also just watching him play today, there's many moments where he still just stands around or goes for... A lazy poke and then gives up on the play. You know, I think that is the hallmark of James Harden defense, but I think you're right. You know, I think on the note of the Rockets, I also want to talk about the Mavericks a little bit because even though they haven't started particularly strong, I still think that they are the sleeper team for me in the West. I just think that if Luka and KP just push it a little harder as well as they played when they faced the Rockets, even though it was a loss, I just think that they're extremely deep and they can definitely give a run to whoever they face, which looks like they'll be facing the second seed. So, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a hater on the Rockets. I just don't really enjoy watching them play. I don't really like the aesthetics of how they play basketball. But, you know, results are more important at the end of the day. And so far, they've been getting results. So I think the big question here is, can the NBA figure them out before the Rockets figure out the rest of the NBA? So it's a great question. Honestly, We'll have to wait to see, wait and see, but for right now, I think they're playing pretty well. And Russell Westbrook has, in particular, has played really well in both games. So if he continues to play well, and he, I think that 
that he, they can, you know, maybe even pro- maybe even propel themselves up the standings a little bit. Um, I think they're definitely a dangerous team. Who do you think? I mean, there have been a couple of duds, but who do you think has been the most disappointing team so far? Well, I think the Pelicans, honestly. I mean, they threw away. I I think they're done, basically. Yeah, they, I don't think there's any way for them to realistically get. Well, the, the kicker is they actually play Memphis tomorrow, which is actually like. And Memphis has been trending downward too. Yeah, so so let's go the Pelicans. They threw away an easy win, right? Against the Opening Jazz. Night, that's right. And then they got destroyed by the Clippers. That they did not look interested at all the whole game. And Zion only played 14 minutes. And in general, it's going to be hard. I mean, on one hand, you don't want to risk the injury or the health of a guy who has came late. He may not have the same condition against his teammates, and he does have a history of injuries. On the other hand, this is your only chance to be in the playoffs. And what do you come here for if just to miss the playoffs? Yeah, I don't understand what they're doing with him. They're only playing a 15 minutes a game. I don't get it. It is a tough decision. I do... I don't want to say that they're making the wrong decision, but I can't exactly say they're making the right decision either, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Although, shout-out to J.J. Redick. Watching the Pelicans, J.J. Redick has some tricks I did not ever know that he had. Like, ever. So, shout-out J.J. Redick. And, you know, another team that's kind of been trending downward is the Memphis Grizzlies, too, unfortunately. Yep. And they really have no room to lose. Yeah, well, they have a brutal schedule, and, you know, they lost to San Antonio, which um, was which isn't a great loss. on their heels. But, yeah, San Antonio now is in the 10th seed behind the Blazers, and you know, the Pelicans have moved down to the 11th seed. But, as I said before, don't count out any team that's coached by Pop. They've right. also won two straight. So, they're starting to move up the standings a little bit. It's going to get close. I mean, there are six games left. There are. I also think that... The Grizzlies don't really have to worry about missing out on the play-in. I think they're definitely secure to be in the play-in as long as they win a game or two. The real question is, do they want to, what kind of momentum do they want to have going into the play-in? Well, it's going to come down to that game against the Pelicans tomorrow. If they lose, they're in danger of falling out, to be honest. Because even though the Blazers lost to the Celtics, uh, they, they came back from a 24-point um And league. Nurkic looked amazing, 30 yeah, points. Yeah, 30 points. Lillard, so, as always, Lillard is just they, incredibly. They haven't played player. together in a while. I think that they're only going to get better as the as these remaining of these games go on. And we have to keep in mind, Danny Green on the Lakers said that the matchup they're least looking forward to is, is the, Blazers. the Blazers. Yeah, they don't want to because the Blazers have what the Lakers don't, which is a great guard play, and J.R. Smith and Deion uh, Waiters are just not your answer to defend. And them. if Yusuf Nurkic keeps playing like this for a guy who broke his leg, playing so well, so immediately. You know, he's probably one of the few guys in the West who can at least contain Anthony Davis. I agree. Yeah, They're definitely a, a, a dangerous team. And so you look at the Blazers right now, who are definitely trending upwards. You know, first of all, with that incredible win against the Grizzlies. And then almost doing it again against the Celtics. You know, if you're Los Angeles Lakers, who themselves have kind of been a disappointing team. In fact, even though they're the first seed, even though they're comfortably going to be in the first seed, most likely... I have to say, I've been pretty disappointed by them. Yeah, they haven't looked great. They haven't really looked too good. LeBron hasn't played particularly well in, in either of the games. Anthony Davis had an unbelievable game and he dropped the first a, night. He dropped a dud. Right. Uh, he played pretty poorly. I mean, they lost by 15 to the Raptors. I mean, Kyle Lowry played incredible. Spicy P didn't even play that well. I think Van Fleet played pretty well. 
Especially Pete played okay. I mean, he he wasn't like the Raptors are a deep team. They are a very deep team. Nobody and realizes. I honestly underestimated how how deep they are. And OG Ananobi played great, and he actually did not play last year with the Raptors because he was injured. But he's actually a really important piece of this team. He's a great defender. He guarded LeBron on several occasions. That's right, especially with the loss of Kawhi. I mean, the the Raptors really haven't lost too much of a step, in part because Ananobi has been excellent for them. I mean, that's not to say that they aren't missing Kawhi. Because Kawhi is a huge difference, of course. But they are deep enough that they've been able to fill in the gaps a little bit. And obviously, Pascal Siakam has made a huge step forward yet again. Kyle Lowry is resurgent this year. You know, he's really showing everybody. He's really defying expectations every single year. And just, uh, yeah, I, I really have, I think that on this podcast, we've really underestimated the Raptors. And clearly, if they can beat the Lakers, then they're going to be in good shape. Although... I think the main question about the bubble so far is, has your opinion changed about the Lakers? Do you think that they are still the team to beat? Yes, they are. I mean, just by the nature that they're in the first seed and they've played well all year. And I think, you know, as they get closer to the playoffs, LeBron is going to start turning it up even more to LeBron mode in the playoffs, which is godly. They you still know, are the team to beat. Deion but- Waiters and JR have looked pretty good too. They have. Especially, shout out to J.R. Smith, because really he's been out of the league for a very long time. I've been particularly impressed with Deion Waiters, to be honest. He's been playing pretty well in both games. I mean, he's been making some really tough shots, which he always does, but I've just been impressed for somebody who hasn't played professional basketball in a while. I've been impressed with how he's how he's looked. And also, shout out to Andre Roberson, too, because this is his first time back in two and a half years. And he's been playing pretty well, too. He's still showing that he can play defense and hit a three, which has always been like kind of the hallmark of who he is. Well, he, he honestly was, wasn't was a great three-point shooter, but he actually has been making a couple now. So if he added that to his game, he hasn't played in two and a half years. So that would give him some time to work on that. But he looks pretty good. Shout-out to him for coming back after that terrible injury that he suffered. And, you know, we've been talking about the West, but I, I'm wondering what do you think is interesting about the East, aside from... Probably the best performance so far. T.J. Warren had 53 points, and the Bucks, you know, going one and one. Well, I was impressed with the the Pacers beating the Sixers. Not only obviously T.J. Warren had 53, but Demontis Sabonis did not play, and he's not going to be there because he actually got injured. Right, and it was at least humiliating enough of a loss that there was a fight on the Sixers bench. Yeah, between Shake Milton and Joel Embiid, and Matisse Thybul actually had to hold back Shake Milton. Um, because they got pretty heated. It was a pretty bad look. I mean, I this mean, goes back to what we were saying before about the chemistry issues on the Sixers, which have been glaring. You know, they did re-sign Tobias Harris, but they lost a lot of depth. Al Horford clearly is, was a big mistake. Huge mistake. A huge mistake. Should never have signed him. It was a terrible idea. He just drained their bench, and he, they really are going to struggle to come back from that uh, in terms of Ben salary. Simmons still isn't shooting threes. He said he would um, in that workout video that he posted. I told you he wasn't going to. Um, yeah. I don't know. The Sixers, we'll see. I mean, it was one game. We'll see how they play the next game, but I'm just, I'm just not buying right, this team anymore. Obviously, we have to take this all the grain of salt because, you know, even when this video comes out, things might change dramatically. But, you know, and we actually, full disclosure, we actually did try to record this once and then TJ Warren popped off for 53. Um, but something big did happen in terms of seating. I think the Wizards are basically out 
of the tournament. I don't think there's any shot for them to be in the play-in after this win well, by the Nets. Yeah, now there's they're, like an astronomical chance. They're seven games back of the eighth seed, which means they're three games back of the play-in. Right. And three games out with six games to go is going to be really hard. The Nets are going to have to lose a lot, and the Wizards are going to have to pretty much go undefeated. And, you know, the Nets do face the Magic again. They without do. Without Jonathan Isaac, who did get hurt. Yeah, well, that's a big loss for them. And we'll get back to Jonathan Isaac in a bit, but for another reason. Um, although I, ho- I do hope he recovers. It did look like a scary injury. Uh, and he has been great for the Magic this year. He's been providing, you know, quality points off the bench. Just to get back to the Nets, though, they haven't looked very inspiring no, I've I've been pretty disappointed with. They kind of look like a G League Nets. team, you know. There has I mean, been some. They technically are G League team. They're well, you know. Jared Allen has looked awesome. Harris Levert has looked awesome. They both look great, and Joe Harris also looked really good too. Joe Harris is proving why the Nets need to re-sign him at all costs because I think you mentioned this when we were watching the game. Championship teams need players like him, and you know, watching him play, he really is way more than a shooter. And I think a lot of casual fans just know him as a guy who won the three-point contest. And he's just a lights-out shooter. But he is way more than that. He is a guy who can give you acceptable defense. He's a guy with many, many tricks. And he is a very underrated closer and finisher, too. Very underrated. He's got a lot of tricks near the rim. He actually has excellent court vision. So he's like the utility knife of the team. You know, they can really slot him at shooting guard or small forward. They can ask him to do a lot of different things, and he can do it all. So... He's showing why he belongs on the team. And underratedly, Chris Chioza, he surprised me. He played really well. He looks really good. You know, honestly, I do think that part of why they signed like Tyler Johnson was to spark a fire under him. Because Chris Chioza, who actually, he did play for the Wizards briefly. Uh, he, did, he did show me that, you know, even as a guy who's kind of been in the G League for a while... Uh, he did show me that I do think that he has a place on the team. He does. I think he, And I think he, he will stay on the team next year. I mean... I think he's, he's he looked really good. And I it's think. also shown, you know, for all of all of the you know regression that Spencer Dinwiddie had on the shooting end, this tournament so far has shown to me how much they're missing Spencer Dinwiddie just as a point guard and as they a twenty point per game option because he is, you know, Karis Levert, unfortunately, has not shown that he can consistently put up like high twenties or thirties or like take over a game every single night. Even though he had thirty two points today, right? But I'm I don't really believe you know in order for the Nets to get any sort of luck, he's going to need to do that night in and night out. And this is only his fourth thirty point game this season. We'll see. I mean, I, think- I do think he has the talent. I we all know he has the talent. I just think he's you know, and he's been set back with some injuries. Maybe this will be the tournament where he puts it all together, and maybe this is the tournament where he will become the third option for this Brooklyn Nets team. And, you know, there is a big question for the Nets about what to do with this contract after next season. That mm-hmm. is a big, looming question. And, you know, only time will tell. But And the same with Jared Allen. Jared Allen, that question is coming up soon. What are they going to do with all these contracts? And Spencer Dinwiddie, too, he has one of the most team-friendly. So, you know, especially when Katie and Kyrie signed and Katie was gushing about Kenny Atkinson, he's gone. So whatever they said about the culture, it's clear that a lot of things can change. So it's going to be a very precarious time to be a Nets fan, even though our sleeping giant is coming back. Kyrie Irving, don't think we've forgotten about you, man. Like, we know that you're around, and we can't wait to see you back in action. So, yeah, I, I think that's our take on the Nets. What do you think about their chances against the Bucks if they stay at the 8th seed? No, we have no chance. We're going to get swept. The Bucks look insane. They look they look great, and even though... You know, they and honestly, they don't their... even have that much pressure to win, honestly. I think that all these games for them, you know, there's such a lock for the one seed. There's such a gap between them and the second and third seeds that 
I really wouldn't even be surprised if they're treating these games kind of like training games, you know. Well, I think they're trying to win. No, obviously they're trying to win, trying to get the best record in the league, trying to set the tone for sure. But I don't think that these losses are things that really are going to really sting them that much. Maybe Giannis, the fact that James Harden beat him today might sting a little bit more. But I don't really think these games matter too much in the long run. I think they're really look, just looking at how much damage can we do in the playoffs. Because again, they were in the same position last year and they did not convert. So I guess only time will tell. What do you think about the Bucks, though, in general? Do you believe in them as the, the team to beat in the East? I think they deserve to be the team to beat. Um, they look, Even though they didn't win today, um, Brooke Lopez played really well today, um, even down the stretch, hit some clutch shots. He's been impressed me with how good he looks, and obviously Giannis, Dante DiVincenzo has playing, been playing pretty well. I like the Bucks. I think I like the Bucks. I think they're a good team, for sure. Uh, they would definitely be my favorite. But let us not forget the Raptors. I think the Raptors have really have a great shot, too. I think they're the sleepers. Yeah. The Heat have been pretty good, too. The yeah, Heat, they, they blew out the Nuggets. But Nuggets had no Jamal Murray, but still it was a, a big win. And, you know, the Heat are also, they're probably overall the most solid team in the NBA. You know, they really have no holes. They have no weak players at all. I mean, maybe the Clippers are obviously be- a league better. Um, but at least in the East, they probably are just like the most overall solid team. You know, Jimmy Butler, you know, he's not like a super scorer, but he really gives you everything. You know, I talked about Joe Harris as like a Swiss Army knife. Jimmy Butler is that on steroids. He really can do anything. Um, I think the last teams that we just should probably talk about are the Jazz, first of all, because they've been extremely disappointing. Well, yeah, they lost uh, They they lost to the Thunder by like 30. Right. And then they barely beat the Pelicans. A very sloppy game. And it was a really sloppy game. So they haven't really looked particularly great either and you know it seems like they fixed their chemistry issues people were saying that there might be chemistry issues between donovan mitchell and rudy gobert yeah, it appears that they made up i think that the coronavirus is robust enough at this point for someone to realize it's not really any it's not really fair to blame someone for giving you covid you know i mean certainly rudy gobert is irresponsible but i don't never think, really know and how fitting that rudy gobert you know who shot down the league so to speak uh he had the opening baskets and he even hit the final shots to win the game but I haven't been too impressed with the Jazz in general I think that um, you know I really think it's going to be Lakers Clippers and everybody else you know and there are a couple of sleeper teams really 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 do not sleep on the Blazers because they are not playing like an eighth seed team at all they're playing like much much higher you know they really have a chance to go on a Cinderella run to make it to the finals yeah right now if the season ended right now they would be in position for that play-in right and I do think that they'd have the upper hand on the Grizzlies I mean clearly they beat them you can't count out Damian Lillard in a best of three. If you gotta only you gotta win two games, and I don't think you can count him out of the playoffs. Clearly, no. I mean, and keep in mind, last year I really believe that they were just one Yusuf Nurkic away from going to the finals. It's possible. I mean, we'll never know. But you know, they did get possible. swept, but they were up twenty, like in near, no. at or near the fourth quarter. They, they were up going into every fourth quarter right. in every game that they lost. And it's a testament to how good the Warriors were, but mm-hmm. it's even without Kevin Durant. But I think it's also a testament to like what the team was missing and you know they did kind of start really slow but it's nice to see them actually picking up and playing their potential and you know shout out Carmelo Anthony too you know already two straight games he continues to defy haters you know he's hitting the big shots even against the Celtics where they didn't win he hit a huge shot to close out to make the lead I think it was to close it down to three you know and this is Carmelo people were saying that he didn't belong you know he had some really really bad stints in OKC and in Houston but I really don't think that it was his fault there. I think he was playing with ball-dominant guards who really didn't like to share 
the ball and shooters inevitably look bad in those kinds of lineups that's why even you see in houston that they have a revolving door of players basically and they haven't really found the right team around harden even though they've had some great teams around him they've had a lot of good shooters come in and go and they really haven't found that right group of guys mostly because he's so ball dominant and nobody is going to look good in that offense who's not going to be him or russell westbrook clearly yeah no i agree with you i'm pretty happy for him too that's why they have him on this team he's a legend one of the greatest of all time and he's not afraid to take the shots in those moments. So they trust him with the ball, and he, he hit a couple of great shots. So it's all about green light in the NBA. So now I think it's time to talk about like some topics floating around the NBA. Well, I think the most important thing is the kneeling. So, you know, obviously we've talked about the politics around the NBA, you know, since we started this podcast, and all of these things have come to fruition. You know, that the aftermath of the George Floyd protests, you know, the aftermath of the, all the COVID anxiety, you know, it's all built up to this moment. So I know we were a little bit critical of, you know, how the players were allowed to protest. But what do you think as an NBA fan and, you know, as someone who is pretty politically conscious, what do you think about how the marketing, I hate to put it that way, but it, it does really seem very corporatized in my opinion, but I'll get to that in a second. What do you think about the protesting that's been going on in the NBA, whether it's the jerseys or kneeling for the anthem? I initially thought when the NBA came out with that list of approved things that players could put on their jersey, I thought it would be like a little corny. But I actually, I, I dig it. I, I like it a lot. Um, it actually looks pretty cool to see the players around their backs with Black Lives Matter, peace, equality. And there have been exceptions too. Yeah, they've, they've made some exceptions too. So I do think that it actually worked out for the better in, in that case. And with the kneeling, listen, I support um, peaceful protests. I don't find any problem with any of the players kneeling at all. And obviously there was a couple of players who didn't kneel too. Like Jonathan Isaac. Like Jonathan Isaac, Myers Leonard didn't because his uh, brother served in the Navy. So And you know, I you know, it is it is their right to do that. I don't think anybody no, should no, shame them. No one's gonna hold it against Just them. Just like nobody should be shaming people who decide not to put these things on their back. You know, everybody has their own way. Clearly, you know, even a guy like Popovich, Popovich didn't kneel. Yeah. But you can't say that Greg Popovich hasn't been he's been one of the most more politically outspoken people in the NBA. And he's been very vocal about like anti racism for basically his entire career as a coach. I mean he has he has a proven track record. So clearly, you know, and, you know, I think that's a very good lesson in general for, you know, people our age in general. You know, just because you do something on the screen, that doesn't tell the whole story. You know, you can, you can like, not necessarily participate this in this stuff, you know, just for show and still be very active in, you know, committing yourself and uh, working towards these social issues as well. So that's not to... I don't think it's fair to like shame anybody. Like even LeBron, LeBron hasn't put this like he hasn't put a slogan on his back. He has just has James on his back. And again, I think that's completely fine. Like it is just a thing on the back of your jersey at the end of the day. I'm pretty sure Kawhi also only has his last name on it too. Right, and you know if you just want to wear your name on your jersey, especially everything that's happened in the last few months, maybe you just want to have some kind of normalcy on the uniform you wear. That's completely fine. You can tell LeBron that he hasn't been you know woke on these issues. So. Yeah, and I'll tell you personally, I do think it seems a bit corporatized. I, w- I would have liked to see kind of a more of a diversity, but one thing that I really did like is that people are doing it in their own languages. Or even Jared Allen, he has like Yes We Can in Spanish. You know, when you watch the Mavericks, you could see like equality in Slovenian and Latvian. I thought that was really cool. I think that, you know, that does add to the kind of like the organicness of this whole thing. And it's all about expression at the end of the day. And I don't know what you think. To me, it shows... 
that the NBA has a lot of trust in its players in a way that the like let's say baseball and football clearly don't. Yeah, no, I agree. I've I've been pretty happy with what I've been seeing um, from the players uh, with the kneeling and all that stuff. I I really uh, think they're really sending a, a, the right message to people who are watching. You know, I think Adam Silver, as a commissioner, has been excellent, and he's proven that he's really been one of the most futuristic, forward-thinking commissioners in like sports history. It's it's unprecedented that this bubble has worked so well. I mean, even if you there's no other bubble to compare it to except for the soccer one, and the soccer one has been great too. But they don't have the kind of resources or the um, kind of army of, you know... Money. <laughs> I didn't want to use that word. But they clearly don't have the kind of fiscal resource. I mean, they got Jean-Baptiste to do the national anthem for the very first game. You know, the, I mean, the NBA just kind of has these resources available to them that other leagues don't. And he has utilized all of them. I mean, we said this before that the bubble costs something like a million dollars a day to use. And... They're hosting all sorts of these people, aside from the players, you know, all sorts Broadcasters of Broadcasters, right? an- analysts, all the stuff. I Even mean. for catering, apparently, they have staff, so... And it's working. Already, it's going to be, hopefully, by tomorrow, three straight weeks with no COVID tests. That's going to be really awesome, because it shows that these bubbles work. Yeah, you know, they're going above and beyond all the safety protocols, and keeping our fingers crossed, everything's going well so far. Um, I also want to talk about, you know, we've been talking about on the podcast for a while about the Knicks head coach and they've officially hired Tom Thibodeau. That's right. As I predicted. That's right. To a five-year deal. deal. Um, I don't know. Kind of, kind of, I've said my piece on this before. I'm not a huge fan of Tom Thibodeau. I don't think it was the worst signing ever, but at the same time, I don't think it was the greatest signing they could have done. Well, you know, Steve Mills is gone this time. And Scott Perry may very well be on the way as well. So... I think that inevitably it's going to be different. I also think that they very easily could have gone the Jason Kidd route and just try to go for Giannis next year, and they didn't do that, which is good, very good for the Knicks. That they, I really think that something has changed this time, and I think that since they got shunned by Katie and Kyrie, I think that they have had to kind of necessarily have a reality check where it's like, yeah, you're not going to get these top-tier players until you actually improve your play. And so now really the question is, they're basically primed to have a number one pick or at least a top five pick. You know, it's basically the worst team in the league. I think maybe the Warriors are the worst record, but the Knicks are primed to have a good pick in the lottery. And the real question is, are they going to capitalize on that? Are they going to address their needs? Are they going to sign veteran players, not just to get a paycheck and leave, but to actually develop some sort of culture? And that's what it's all going to be about. You know, you've said your piece. I personally, I think that Tom Thibodeau, his coaching style is a bit in the past. But, you know, people said the same about Mike D'Antoni. People said after he was with the Lakers that he shouldn't get a job again, that clearly, you know, the way he played back in 2006 or the way he coached back in 2006 for the Suns, the seven seconds or less, you know, that's not going to work or that, you know, it's, it's from the past. And um, he flopped with the Lakers and he kind of ran Kobe into the ground. But you can see clearly that, you know, he's adapted a little bit. He's he a great coach. Went back to the drawing board. I mean, they still run. The Rockets do run something like the seven seconds or less, but it really stresses the three-point line and it stresses uh, just crashing the boards and crashing the glass on offense, you know, just literally running in, getting a foul. So Mike D'Antoni's been an awesome coach, obviously, and I really think that maybe something could happen with Thibodeau again. You know, he is a proven winner. I mean, if not for Derrick Rose's injury, we might be looking at a completely different history where he has a couple of rings. I mean, he was a very good coach. 
But, you know, as, even as recently as a few years ago, they were competitive in the East with Tom Thibodeau. You know, and that was even with injuries. They, they did adapt. So, I do believe in Thibodeau. I honestly, I just wish all the best for the Knicks. You know, like you always say, NBA basketball is just not the same when the Knicks are bad. You know, they're one of the OG teams in sports. So, I'm glad that they signed somebody. And, you know, I don't think we were very high on him. I think we really both wanted Kenny Atkinson. And maybe Kenny Atkinson, you know, I think you said this before about his interviews. Yeah, they they uh, actually interviewed him for like a second and third time. So they were clearly very interested in Kenny Atkinson. And they uh, didn't pull the trigger. But I don't think this is Kenny's last opportunity to get a job. He will land a job, a head coaching job, in the, within the next year or two for sure. I think some coaches are bound to get fired after this too. Yeah. As it always is. And he's going to be target number one on a lot of lists. And, you know, he'll have a chance to prove the Knicks why they messed up. But, yeah, all the best to the Knicks. Yeah, Knicks got Tom Thibodeau as a five-year coach. And they have Mike Miller's back as an elite assistant. And Mike uh, Woodson is Mike back. Woodson, yeah. You know, the last time they had any shred of success was with Mike Woodson. So it's cool to see him back in action. Woody, I think he's with the Clippers right now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, very shortly we're going to have a whole other question on the other side of the river, which is what's going to happen with the Nets. You know, I'm really hoping it's not Tyron Lou, but who knows? Mark Jackson is also a possibility. And those are literally, those are literally the... <laughs> nightmare scenarios. <laughs> For me, the nightmare scenarios. On the other hand, I really can't imagine how many coaches are there. I mean, the, the big option is Kenny Atkinson, but it would just be a clown move to hire him again. I mean, clearly they didn't like something about his coaching for the Nets. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Other than that, I mean, there is basically six games left for every team. You know, I think we see who's trending upward and trending downward. I'm wondering, who are you going to be rooting for aside from the Nets? Because you did just say that they got wiped in four. So if they... They're going to get wiped in four. No, I'll, I'll be rooting for uh, James Harden, for sure. I just, lo- I just love James Harden. Interesting. I really like James Harden. I just I just really like watching him play. I mean, obviously, it's not the most smooth thing you've ever seen. But I, and I just love when he gets those crossovers, step-back threes. Because that's how I used to play, too. So, I just really enjoy watching him play. With defense included? Yes, of course. Um, and uh, also, just to end on a little feel-good moment... Kyrie Irving donated $1.5 million of his own money to supplement WNBA players who have decided to sit out their season. Right. And I think this just confirms what we've already been saying about Kyrie, that I think he's... I think he has made an enemy out of the media for a reason, and... But the, media, listen, the media loves to hate on him. Well, and, because you know, he obviously, he's, he's given them some ammo. Right. He definitely has. But at the same time, it just shows that... Uh, there's really a lot of reading between the lines that is necessary when it comes to Kyrie Irving. And uh, I think, you know, his best intentions are at heart no matter what he says. And obviously, I, he definitely rubs the media the wrong way sometimes, and the media does love to hate on him. But he is a really great guy, and, you know, that even shows that he's, you know, the VP of the NBA Players Association. I think there's a reason why so many guys so, like yeah, him So, yeah, I think players do have respect for him, too. And not many, you know, even in Boston where he, according to the media, burns all these bridges... And yeah. all the all the people in Boston sing and praises. So yeah, they seem to really like him, and I think they understand what he's about. At the end of the day, I think that Kyrie is really a trailblazer. He's definitely like one of the most unique personalities the NBA has ever seen. And you know, I'm happy that he's, you know, his life path has a road through Brooklyn for sure. And you know, even in the limited action we saw him this year, he was the best, very the best version of Kyrie that I've seen. Yeah, most complete. 
I think, you know, say what you want about Kenny. I think Kenny got a lot out of him. And I think that's going to be a big thing about the head coaching going forward is how much can they maximize Kyrie because Kyrie was more efficient than ever at his highs. You know, he just had some truly unbelievable, like, jaw-dropping performances, just, like, firing on all ammo. He scored 50 twice. He had high 40s a couple of times, and he only played 20 games. And, you know, the, the, the rest of the Nets, games. you can see it right now that it's really, like, a gutless roster that he has working with him. Probably, like, the weakest roster he's had since he played in Cleveland without it LeBron. A, it was a weak roster, yeah. It's a testament to how much his game has improved, too. You know, as a player, that back when he played in Cleveland, he still had, you know, he had tricks... But he didn't have like the complete arsenal of moves, and he wasn't like this, probably the best one-on-one player in the NBA, ever. Like nobody, at least for a guard. I and then really, in my opinion, who the best number like one-on-one player ever is Kevin Durant, and he's coming soon. So you know these ISO players are going to be insane for the Nets, and I guess we just have to wait and see. Yep. So yeah, thank you for listening to the Gandy Buckets podcast. Follow us on Spotify. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at GetBucketPod. We're thinking of doing a, uh, a giveaway at 1,000 followers. So follow us there. And we'll have more details on that as the account continues to grow. Peace. See you next time.